This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 168. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. We are excited to sit down with you virtually and talk a little bit of photography nerdery for the next hour. Uh, Today I am joined by Mr. Brian McGuckin, history teacher by day, saving students from poorly informed history and NFL photographer and event photographer and work and workshop instructor by night and weekend. Hey, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Uh, doing good. And we are also joined today by Connor Hibbs, a new voice on the podcast. Connor, can you just introduce yourself in a sentence or two? Yeah, absolutely. I am a portrait photographer located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, focused on studio lighting. Very cool. Well, we have a couple questions that have come into us from the uh from our improved photography podcast group on facebook barbara ricker asks are bubble levels on tripods just there to torment me seriously does anyone have any quick tips for just getting things level now i can understand this question because those bubble levels are always placed on like the worst possible spot on the ball head uh they you know like nick even had one that is it literally it's covered up by the quick release plate when yep. you put it on there. And so it's just entirely useless. Uh, and the bubble level really is almost always placed in a bad spot. So do you guys use the bubble level and how do you get your compositions straightened out? I didn't, I do not use it. I just try to have my composition straight just by kind of eyeing it. Um, if I'm not sure, then I'll just use the, uh, the level that's built into the camera. You know, I, I, I trust that and I can see that at night a lot easier than, you know, shining a flashlight and trying to find where my bubble is, but my bubble is covered up as well by the, uh, by the plate. So I don't use it. And I would say, I would love to say that I knew how to do this, but truthfully, I don't use a tripod hardly ever at all. I almost exclusively shoot people. So this is not really my area of expertise. Yeah, I'm with you. If you're, if you're shooting uh, portraits of people, uh, a tripod is something you're really not going to use very often. But if you're a landscape photographer, you would almost never shoot without a tripod. So for me, I do the same thing as you, Brian. I am almost always using the electronic level on the camera. Now, all not all cameras have this, especially if you're shooting the very entry-level cameras, you know, the the older model Canon Rebels or Nikon D3200 kind of thing. I, I, I don't know if the Nikon D3200 specifically has one, but those lower-level entry-level cameras sometimes don't have them. But increasingly, the newer models of cameras all have this electronic level that's basically uh, just just using the gyroscope in the camera to be able to tell if it's if it's exactly even or not, if it's flat. And I think that's better than using the one on the tripod anyway, because then if your plate is off a little bit skewed or something, uh, it, it really is best to get to get that information straight from the camera to make sure that your horizon is level. It's something that if you skip and you try to just eyeball that horizon when you're shooting landscapes, you're always going to regret it because you'll end up just cropping a little bit on every photo because that horizon wasn't quite perfect. And so it really is worth just spending that extra second using that electronic level in the camera that'll just show you on the LCD screen if we're level or not. All right. The next question comes from Radhika Dixit, uh, who just said, who said that he accidentally deleted all of his 2016 photos from Lightroom. Ouch. And when... uh, 
So I, anyway, he just pressed delete accidentally in Lightroom uh, when he had selected the 2016 folder. And then when it asked him if he wanted to delete those photos from uh, from the disk as well, he accidentally clicked yes, which is uh, not good at all. So what can he do? Is he totally out of luck? What do you guys think? My instinct would be to go look in the trash can and hope that there's something there. Yeah. But I believe that I read further down in this and he said that he had emptied his trash can right after that, not thinking about it. Um, yeah, this, this is case, like this is, this is like a lot have, of bad clicks right in a row. This is bad. <laughs> like this is the reason that we have backups on backups on backups. It's that three, two, one rule. That's why you need to keep copies all over the place because I have made those mistakes too. Heck, I, I lost a few months of photos. Luckily, they were a few months that didn't matter and were from a little earlier in my photo career. So I am I learned my lesson. And unfortunately, I'm going to say that he probably is going to learn this one the hard way. Yeah, I, I, I've done the same thing. I think everybody who's used Lightroom or really done any kind of photography with whatever program, I don't think this is a vulnerability of Lightroom specifically, but it's just easy when you're moving a lot of files everywhere all the time. Uh, it can be easy to make a couple bad clicks. And if you don't have those backups, it really hurts. Uh, Jim, is it the same if you have a Mac or a PC? I know on my Mac that I'll just go and I'll just delete it from Lightroom and it will get rid of the raw file as well. And then it's not like in the trash. It's like already gone. Is that the same with the PC or is it usually sitting in the trash? Like, does it not officially, you know, send it on? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I would think it would put it in the trash no matter what. Um, here i'll just test it delete from disk <laughs> will it be in the trash the can yeah you it's there i it's in the it's in the trash can for me after i just deleted a file um so it should be in the trash can but anyway he said he 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 emptied it and this kind of thing can happen uh, this is just that perfect scenario where you really do have to have a backup now last week on the podcast we talked a little bit about drobo actually a lot and we got quite a few comments from people uh, on our group uh, kind of furthering that discussion. There's there's a common misconception about a backup that it can be on the same drive as you have uh, the original. So if I have a Drobo, it's backing up, uh, depending on how you have it set up. It has one file, one of my drives has this file on it, uh, and it's also backed up on another one. Uh, so every every file that I have on my Drobo is on two of those drives, not a backup, at least not a sufficient backup at all. That's not OK to just have one Drobo with your drives in there. And it doesn't matter if it's Synology or or whatever it is. You can't just have one. That's not a backup exactly for this situation. You need something to protect yourself from yourself <laughs> because we all make mistakes like this. And so if you don't have it on a separate drive, uh, then it's then it's just you're, you're just subject to this so is there anything that he can do right now well no if it's not backed up and it's not in the trash can it's just gone unless he wants to go to extreme measures and do data recovery on the drive and stuff uh, but i mean you're going to have so much stuff on that drive uh, that these better be some important pictures that we're going to try to to rescue um th this is a big task that he would have to undertake Luckily, we're pretty early in the year, so hopefully he didn't lose anything too, too important. 
No yeah, that's true. Anything. Well, Connor, I know you do a lot of lighting. Um, and so you were talking to us a little bit earlier before we before we recorded about using a light meter. Uh, that's something that I don't usually do. Um, and actually, none of us, none of the hosts of the podcast use light meters. So I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts on this. Now, when it comes to light meters, I totally see the argument for using one for not using one. However, in my case, I do a lot of studio shooting. I'm shooting with multiple lights, and that's the time that I really want to have a light meter to help me out. That so back up have... for people that are brand new, though. Of like, course, what is course. a light meter, and and how do you how do you use it? Well, what are the arguments for and against it? And then I want to hear a little bit more what you're saying. All right. So a light meter is just a little external box that you have. It's very similar to the meter that's in your camera that tells you if you have a proper exposure. But the thing is, the ex- um, the meter in your camera is all based on ambient readings. So it's used for flash. You set your settings out of your trifecta. You have your ISO and say shutter speed. That's usually the way that I do it. That's the way most people I've heard does it. Um, You set set those settings to your sync speed, ISO at 100 or 200 if you're Nikon. I don't know if what the native is for Fuji or Sony. It just really um, depends on the camera model. Even oh, okay. some different kind Canon and Nikons will have different sync speeds. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, but then you just trigger your flash using either the light meter or you can push the button down on the light meter and trigger it separately. And it tells you exactly what aperture you need to set your camera to, to have a proper exposure. Now, when you use one flash, this is pretty easy to just eyeball. You can kind of match the ambient light with the flashlight and it, all beautiful. But when you have multiple lights that are interacting together and creating light all over a person's body, it's kind of nice to know if something's overpowering and you get a weird shadow down the side of a face, anything of that sort. Um, so the way that you use it is just pressing a button. It's super simple. It's really fast. And I know an argument against it is just that I can look at the back of my camera and see what it's doing. But when you have multiple lights, that becomes a much harder challenge. Now, Connor, how, how much did that cost you? Um, I think it was $140, something around there. They have some very fancy, expensive ones that I see no reason to buy. But you can get a pretty decent one for around $100 to $150. And what percentage of the time would you say you actually use it? I would say because I do a lot of indoor shooting, I'm using it for every shoot. However, I'm not a huge stickler about it. If I get my lights set generally in the right position at the right power and I want to move some stuff around, I don't always go back and grab it. I don't always go use it again, but it's still a nice thing to have to speed something up, especially if you're trying to change a lighting setup with a client there. Um, yeah. So 100% of the time, but not religiously. So now tell me because I'm not a light meter person at all. And I actually, (laughs) I downloaded a light metering app on my phone, but I feel like it won't actually work or like, it sounds like a gimmick. Yeah. Does it actually work? Um, light meter apps on the phone, they actually do work to an extent. So they work for reflective light. So that's light that's bouncing off of something else to your camera, to your phone. It's practically the exact same thing that's in your camera. Um, honestly, when it comes to that, I would trust the camera over using a light, a light meter app on a phone. However, when you're using incident readings such as flashes, that's when a light meter is really useful. In fact, I got a a new light meter recently that also is a trigger. 
So I can see exactly where my lights are powered and it will tell me as I'm adjusting up and down with those lights. The sad thing is it's studio strobe only trigger all for policy buff. I am a studio strobe user. I have my young nuos, but I like these strobes and I love this new trigger slash light meter. Do you feel like a light meter helps you to work faster? Yes. Um, as I said, when it comes to one light, I think that I probably work a lot faster just going off the camera. But when I'm using multiple lights, it is very, very fast. So why do why do you feel like a light meter makes it faster when you have multiple light? Um, just because I'm actually able to trigger lights individually so I can see based on those measurements, which lights are more powerful than others. I can quickly go turn them down where when I'm looking at the back of a camera, all of that light is mixing together because it's all triggering together unless I go around and turn each light off. Um, so I'm, I'm actually just able to see exactly what it's doing through the readings without having to look at the photo itself. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, it's a it's a perfectly reasonable way to work. I don't like it. I feel like it just kind of complicates things. And I know a lot of photographers feel that way. But this is like actually several discussions we've had on the podcast over the last several weeks that uh, really are just a personal preference. There's obviously no right or wrong here, uh, but most photographers tend to be moving away from the the light meter. In fact, they were just about in gone like i mean it was almost an extinct piece of photo gear uh i don't know four years ago and lately they seem to have made a little bit of a resurgence in the industry uh with a lot of people kind of going back to them and i think that's fine you know if that's something that uh that speaks to you if that seems to be working for you the reason that i don't use uh the light reader though the light meter though is the way that I work when I'm shooting with multiple flashes are I'll, I'll just do what what a lot of people have called lighting in layers. So I will start yeah. with my key light. I'll I'll shoot that until I can see what it's doing. And then I'll shoot my second light and third light. And I'm adding on one layer at a time, one light at a time. I'm adding it. So I see exactly what each light is doing to the subject, not just the brightness of the of where I put the, the light meter under the chin, but just what each light is actually doing. I'm going to do that anyway. And so if I'm going to do that anyway, I might as well just judge it off the back of the camera. It's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, I think I think that's completely reasonable, especially for people who are really new to using multiple lights. It can be really nice to be able to layer up and see exactly how everything's working. For me, I know exactly the kinds of positions I'm trying to go for. And I'm just looking for how is my power settings? How how are those ratios working together? So I think that it really is just a matter of personal taste and the way that you like to work. Uh, I have a new reason now for why I will always hate light metering, because <laughs> When I just went to look on my phone, my phone slipped and I dropped it and it just shattered. Oh, oh no. <laughs> you can't back up a phone. Dude, your light meter app just destroyed Brian's it, it phone. <laughs> <laughs> you really did a, just drop it a, right now while we were recording? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. I've never, it's the first time I've ever shattered phone before. And it was because I was looking at the stinking light metering. Oh, man. Is that the actual screen of the phone, too? Yeah. And I have like a protector over it. The protector is yeah. fine, but the glass <laughs> underneath it's not. Oh, OK, no. this is an omen. Do not use a light meter. Never <laughs> this use a light is meter. a bad omen. It's just not a good idea. Uh, thanks for that, Connor. Uh, all right. We want to get on and talk a lot, a little bit more about learning photography. Uh, Brian and I are both kind of be talk, talking about that topic and kind of the process that we all go through 
uh, to improve. But before we do that, we want to take a second and thank two sponsors of today's podcast. And the first is Casper Mattress. Uh, I bought a Casper a few weeks ago before they were an advertiser on the podcast on the recommendation of my sister-in-law, and it really is great. Uh, the, the couple weeks before we bought this mattress, we knew we needed a new one. It had been about eight or 10 years since we had got our last mattress, and you could see the little <laughs> indents of where we lay each night, and so we knew it was about time to get a new mattress. So I started going out to these stores, and just just so you guys know i can't stand salesmen they just drive me crazy not all of them there's some very nice salespeople out there but at least the ones that i dealt with uh were just so overbearing uh and so we'd get in there lay they'd have me lay on mattress and i kept saying yeah but what does it cost what does it cost and they'd be like oh it's like twenty dollars a month and i'll like yeah but what does it cost anyway it's just driving me crazy and they'll be like well it's an investment when you buy a ten thousand dollar mattress and i was like no that's not an investment that's a waste of my money and so i went on my sister-in-law's recommendation and i looked at casper casper has really really good prices uh, on their mattresses it's five hundred dollars for a twin size mattress or 950 for a king size mattress which is what i got and if you compare that to what you see in the industry uh it really is a steal better than that they'll deliver straight to you comes in this big box and it it's kind of squished down uh when you get it and you open it up and you're like no way there's no way that's the right size mattress and within an hour poof it's the full-size mattress it's pretty cool you can try it for a hundred days and if you're not happy they'll pick it back up um so be sure to go and check out casper you can uh you can get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase at casper.com slash improve and then use offer code improve so you can get fifty dollars off any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash improve and using offer code improve. Thank you to Casper for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And if this is like a perfect timing because we just had a listener uh, who had trouble and lost some data and Acronis would have saved this person. Acronis is an excellent company that helps you to back up your computer. So here's a true story. Uh, there was an international journalist who stored all of his photos and stories on an online cloud file service, which is totally a great idea. He had a lot of stuff in there and didn't think about it until his stuff was deleted, kind of like the listener we heard from today. Uh, he needed to pull up some older pictures and he found out that gigabytes of his file were missing. And when he emailed the, the cloud file firm, he found out that those projects were manually deleted a few months ago by him. He, we sometimes we just make mistakes when we're when we're uh, moving lots of files around. Uh, he must have made the mistake on his tablet or pressed delete on his Mac and didn't realize it. This service could only recover the stuff that was deleted within 30 days. So he was totally out of luck. But it turns out that he had set up a Cronus True Image to automatically back up his projects to a network drive in his house. He'd actually forgotten True Image was even running. And in reality, backs up of his, all his projects were quietly created all in the background. And he was able to get his data back. You can protect all your stuff automatically, locally, and in the cloud by visiting trueimage.com slash improve. To celebrate World Backup Day, you can get a bonus license to protect a second computer with your order. Just be sure to go to trueimage.com 
slash improve. And we thank them for their for uh, sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Well, when is, wor- when is World Backup Day? I, I, you know, I don't know when World Backup Day is. There's so many trumped up holidays. This is one. It's like <laughs> asking when Trump month or truck month is. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say what it is, but hey, it's there. And maybe we should have a little little pie or a little cake for <laughs> World Backup Day. So th- this uh, this last week, I went on a little bit of a sabbatical from improved photography. And I I want to kind of walk you some of the thing through some of the things that I've been thinking about the the website, some of the things we're doing here with podcasts, and also my progress as a photographer uh, specifically. Uh, it's been interesting to me as I've looked back on where I've come in photography and kind of where I want to go with it. And this all is relevant to you because it's uh, going to introduce something. New we're going to do with improved photography that I hope will impact most of you. So I love the work that I do. I'm really grateful that I have improved photography. Uh, like it's just blows my mind uh, what improved photography is, has become because I bought my first serious DSLR as best as I can calculate. Uh, I was looking back today, see if I could find the exact date, uh, but it was about seven years ago that I bought my first serious DSLR. Um, and now seven years later, uh, well over a million people follow me on social media, uh, for improved photography, millions more people go to improvephotography.com. I was just ranked one of the top 20 photographers in the country. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Um, and, uh, I have the cover of Shutterbug magazine coming up next month. Like I'm just really grateful and amazed at at everything that could be accomplished uh, in such a, a short amount of time. And I credit a lot of people uh, in helping me with that. A lot of them, you guys, the listeners of Improved Photography, who have helped taken the edges off my photography every time I post a photo and get my chops busted when, the, uh, when you guys help me to see the things that I'm doing wrong. Uh, and lots of other excellent photographers that have taught things online. Uh, it's incredible in the new digital age what somebody can accomplish because all of the information is right there in front of us. You know, we used to, if you wanted to learn photography 15, 20 years ago, you had to go to the card catalog and thumb through the index cards. And now, like, all of that is just right in front of us. Uh, I was talking to Nick the other day. Nick started photography five years ago, and now he's one of the best wedding photographers in the country erica same thing i i think i didn't ask her today i was gonna ask her uh so i could say it right but i think she started about five or six years ago as well and she took some of the improved photography classes and she is absolutely insanely good at what she does both of them are the hosts of the of the uh portrait session podcast if if you guys uh maybe are just listening to one show on improved photography uh like it's incredible what things you can accomplish in photography today. So Connor, when did you start seriously started into photography? Well, I started about seven years ago, coming up on seven years ago, but I didn't really get serious until about three years ago. Um, Improved photography is just an an amazing resource for me. I love the podcasts and I love going through and reading all the articles, but the addition of portrait session and even tripod being a non-landscape photographer, I still love listening to it and hearing all the photo nerdery. Uh, what about you, Mr. Brian? First, I want to acknowledge that Jim, when you mentioned the, the, uh, the card system, the file card system, yeah, 
Connor kind of had this look like, what, what, is, what is that? that? So <laughs> I, I don't think Connor's old enough to know what you're talking about. There, Jim. I've heard that. But I'm impressed that you know as well, Jim, because you're fairly young yourself. I am 31. All right. We'll see. I'll be 41 next week. So I got you by 10 years. Happy um, birthday. Hey, thank you. Sorry hey. about your phone. Hey. <laughs> Thanks. So what was your question? So Connor? when did you start in, I, when did you start in photography? Long, I'm distracted by my phone. Um, <laughs> I think I, I picked up I picked up a camera about 10 years ago and uh, just started playing with it a little bit. But I would say that I've actually knew how to shoot in manual mode the first time about eight years probably and since then you know being a teacher full-time it's it's hard for me to actually spend time on it so although it's time-wise it's been 10 years I feel like you know if you cut that in half that's probably more of the actual time I've been able to spend on it and now you're on the sidelines of NFL football games shooting the stars uh, you're traveling to shoot for Expedia uh, to, to do their their travel photography like it's amazing what you can accomplish uh, with with the resources that are before us but at the same time uh, there are things that can hold us all back and me too uh, I can tell you one thing that has been holding me back right now with improved photography is I started to get down because every time I make even the slightest mistake, I hear about it from a hundred people, <laughs> literally a hundred people every time I make the tiniest slip up. And you know, there are people that are, that are well-intentioned, you know, it's, Oh, you know, you mess this up on a video, the audio's off to whatever. But when you hear it a hundred times, every time you make a mistake, it really can get me down. Uh, and that's, that's been tough. And so I mentioned, on the podcast group that I really felt like I just needed to step away for a week or two uh, because I was starting to get down with with everything just feeling like, man, I just keep messing up on so many things. And there's another thing. I feel really encouraged when I see that I'm really, truly helping somebody with their photography to get better because uh, I can look back through my own portfolio not that long ago and see photos that were, uh, you know, where I was taking the exact same kind of stuff. And I, you know, I've hopefully learned from those mistakes and improved. And, and I love it when I can really help somebody with it. But most of what I do is tiny random comments all over the blog. You know, somebody will post something on Facebook and I can write a two sentence reply on Facebook to, to somebody's comment or a, a quick email or, or answering something on a podcast. I feel like it's little random tidbits everywhere. And I really want the opportunity to walk somebody through photography really spend time with them over several months, several years, and really help them to reach uh, the level of photography that I know we can all get to if we if we put the the effort into it. So what kind what are do you feel are the roadblocks that you've faced or that you are facing right now that's really keeping you back from doing uh, better photography? Brian, you've been teaching some workshops uh, there in, in Indianapolis and and I know you've you've been dealing with more beginning and intermediate photographers. What are some of the big roadblocks you see them facing? I think I think the biggest roadblock is having actual time and somebody one-on-one -on -one to help show you. You know, you can read the manual, uh, the camera manual. I, I haven't read mine, to be honest. Um, and, you know, you can read books and all, but to have somebody right there next to you to be able to show you things, I found that that's when the aha moments happen. Uh, in the workshop I had, of just it was a small workshop of just eight people. And they all claimed that, I did a little survey ahead of time, 
and they all claimed they knew how to shoot in manual mode and they knew what everything meant and they had read the manual. And when I got there and I asked them some questions, they're just like, uh, I don't understand. I don't know how to do that. By just being able to be there and to be able to show them and kind of just walk them through with their own cameras, you know, not with mine. I just, I think that is extremely helpful. Yeah, definitely. I, and I've definitely seen the the same thing that people think they understand something until they're really challenged on it. Uh, and then they find that, oh, you know, I, actually, I, I don't quite understand a concept as deeply as maybe they thought they did before they had to actually put it into practice. So I, I've been trying to find a way that I could spend a lot more time with a lot fewer photographers. And uh, that's uh, that's something that I, I want to do for the reasons that I was talking about that. I, one is I think I need to step a little bit away from some of the social media for a little while uh, because some of that has gotten me down. And also because uh, I, I really want to see some people progress and feel like I'm actually contributing something uh, to their life and not just a little bit to a, a millions of people's lives. And so I have have been working on how I could introduce a mentoring system on improved photography. We used to kind of have some semblance of this. Uh, At the start of improved photography, we would do these 30-day photography classes on improvedphotography.com, and they eventually moved to photoclasses.com. But it kind of became the same problem that uh, people would take a class, they would kind of do a little bit in the videos, and then life would get busy, and, and they wouldn't really keep up with it. And so some of the people didn't make quite the progress that I wanted to. Some were rock stars and just shot off and did incredible things. But most people needed a little bit more of that, that kind of one-on-one time with them. And so I've been working on a mentoring product and it is going to be released on April 10th. Uh, There are going to be two options on both options. You're going to get every single downloadable product that improved photography has ever made. (laughs) I added up, if you bought every product we've ever made uh, over the last five years, uh, you would spend almost $2,000. And we're we're putting it all in one, uh, in one mentoring product that you can get access to everything, the fire hose of all the products for a very low monthly fee um, to subscribe to the website. We really need your support, uh, all of the listeners. I hope you would really take a serious look at this. There are so many new things that we want to do on improved photography, but we we, we need your support uh, to be able to do them and to roll out new things. I think improved photography has the best free content, bar none, of any website out there. I've worked tirelessly over the last several years to do that. We also have an even higher level of, of our paid content. Uh, these tutorials that I've put hundreds of hours into. Um, and so you can get them all now. Uh, you don't have to piecemeal buy a million different things. And and really, the cost is quite high if you do that. Um, so on April 10th, I hope you'll look at that. We'll be releasing more details as that comes out. And so that's what I, th- I think most of you really should look at. A place where instead of firing up Netflix for the night, uh, you can go on improved photography and you can have a wealth of of information presented to you. And you can actually see those things right on a camera and video form. If you keep learning new skills and not just random tips everywhere, I feel like you can become whatever you want to become as a photographer. But then that other thing is this, uh, I'm going to invite a small, 
very small. It's going to be capped at a small group because I can't handle a million people. A group that I can walk with for a long period of time and we'll do photo challenges in there. I'm going to be reviewing your photos, responding to emails. I'm going to have uh, office hours that you can call me and really open up uh, myself as much as possible so I can throw everything I have uh, at helping a small group of photographers uh, who really want to improve their craft. So those are some of the things that I'm excited for. It's going to be released on April 10th. I need a couple weeks to put everything together and make sure that nobody's a guinea pig, that everything is polished from day one. Um, and But we'll release more more details on the podcast um, n- next week. So I, I guess I wanted to have a, a conversation kind of with, with that understanding of kind of where the, the website is going now. What are some of the breakthrough moments that you felt like uh, you were uh, you were in kind of a slump in, in your photos and then and then you finally you finally broke through to another level? Connor or Brian, are there any kind of particular moments where you felt like you you suddenly had a jump forward? There's one moment that I have in my mind that's very distinct and happened quite a few years ago. But I remember the first time I shot a photo where someone's eyes were sharp and I remember opening up the photo. Fo- file on my computer and just going oh my gosh i can see their eyelashes what is that and realizing how cool photography really could be i mean every time i go out and shoot i end up messing something up and learning from it and taking that on with me to the next time but that's one moment in particular that i just remember being one of those i love photography kinds of moments yeah, that's very cool. I I definitely had that that same moment. I can remember that, you know, I can remember everybody would be talking about sharpness, sharpness, sharpness so much. And I'd be like, well, I think the photos are sharp. Like you know, I wasn't, I, I, it seemed kind of crisp, but once you, I, it was the eyelashes for me too, that once you finally get that shot, that's like, oh, holy cow. When you zoom in, there's just incredible. There's a whole world of detail that wasn't in my photos that I I didn't notice that I was missing. And that's a perfect example of something that you can learn piece by piece, just going on YouTube and spending time with it. But if you were to go to Brian's workshop this last week, uh, or if you, you know, did something like the mentoring on improved photography where you can show a photo to somebody who can just see it and say, Oh, that's not quite it. Let me show you what the, what real true sharpness looks like. And you save yourself six months of that learning curve uh, that can be done in a second. If you just have somebody to kind of walk you through those things, but I'm with you. I'm self-taught too as well, Connor. And so I, you know, you just kind of kind of muddle around for a while and then you finally have that breakthrough. And, and it's almost even worse when you know you have a problem and you don't know where to go to find it. When you're Googling around and say blurry eyes and that doesn't give you anything and trying to find exactly what it is that's wrong with your photos. The thing that you're not doing quite right to get that oomph that you're looking for and having someone else that can sit there and tell you exactly what's going on and how to fix it is a resource that I couldn't put a dollar amount on. Yeah, I the last couple of days I've been looking through my Lightroom library from a long ago when I was just starting out. And I'm looking at photos from, you know, 2008 and and those <laughs> photos that you remember like I loved this photo. I was so happy with this. 
And now I, I look at, I'm looking at a photo of my dog, you know, running through the <laughs> snow. And I can remember seeing this and be like, man, I just captured the action. I nailed this photo, right? <laughs> and now I opened it now. And in an instant, I can see, oh man, the focus point is on the dog's tail, not, not even <laughs> on the dog's face, you know? And you just, you don't notice that until you've you've until you've kind of passed that certain level but you look through all of your photos and in hindsight you can see them just in an instant things that you were so proud of but then you look back on you realize like oh man there're just a million different things that I could do better now if I were to go back and take this picture again and so it's that that I that experience that I I really want to be able to to give to other people. Brian, how about you? What are some some aha moments you've had? I hate it when people say that. I got my screens on. Some breakthrough moments you've had. Uh, I thought you said bird poop moments. I'm like, what? <laughs> breakthrough. Uh, I, honestly, I think just struggling, you know, making mistakes, because I think you learn best when you make a mistake. But having somebody there that knows how to communicate to you the way to fix it. I took, uh, I actually just, was invited to speak at the Indianapolis Art Center a couple of weeks ago um, here in Indy. And I actually took a class there when I was first starting out and it was how to shoot in manual mode. And I didn't get it. I, I walked away from the class thinking that was a waste of money and a waste of a couple of weeks that I just wasn't understanding it. And really it was because that instructor just didn't have the patience or didn't know how to, how to explain it right for me, I think. So just, you know, by making mistakes and then finally having somebody there to show me and be like, hey, you know, this is how you do it. For me, that was a, okay, now I get it. And then it's like this whole new world opens up of, okay, you know, I know how to create a certain shot I want, you know, where I want the aperture to be this or to be that. One and- moment that I, that I felt like really helped me as I'm looking through these old photos is when I finally nailed uh, the idea of composition. I mean, that's something that I'll be working on on my whole life is getting compositions perfect. Uh, but when I finally got the idea of foreground, midground, background, as I look through a lot of my old photos, what I see is like, it's like a dolphin shooting out of the water. Bam, snap it. And it's just kind of dolphin and water. Uh, or, you know, you see the sun dipping over the horizon, over the ocean, and then you zoom way in on the sun. And it's just everything's far away from the from the camera there's no foreground midground background there's just not much of a composition happening so that's that's one thing that i feel like really helped me is once that finally clicked for me absolutely and i mean really having positive encouragement throughout all of that is such an important thing i used to participate in some photography forums and every time i post on there i just get beaten up and no one would really try and help me and having someone there that can not only explain it but won't make you feel stupid for the fact that you don't know this thing yet because we all have to start somewhere. We all have to build on something. Um, That's, I again, just I can't put enough emphasis on how important that is. Well, uh, we all have places we want to go uh, in photography. Some of us have a little bit of a natural inclination that they just have kind of an eye for those things. I wish that was me. I really don't have a natural eye for photography. I really have to struggle to learn uh, every new thing. Um, and, and I think that's true of a lot of people. But photography is a learnable skill. And if you put yourself in the right situations and you keep trying at it, uh, it's just absolutely incredible uh, what things you can do in photography 
quickly because of the resources that are now available to us. I mean, take a minute and go look at Nick and, and Erica's portfolios and look and just think that five years ago, they were beginning photographers. It's just, I, it just blows your mind what, what things that uh, you can accomplish now. So I, I'm looking forward to, to that change on improved photography. I, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. Honestly, I was just telling my wife that I've kind of just been nervous all day as I've been putting it together. Uh, I hope it's something that people will take advantage of. And, and I guess that's why I'm feeling a little bit of, of, uh, of nervousness about it is I hope it's not something that I put a lot of effort into, to producing for people and people don't really take it. Uh, this is for somebody who, who really wants, uh, to move forward in, in photography and, and take and learn a new skill. Uh, you know, it's, I can make all kinds of products that, that are interesting, kind of the product of the moment. But what I want to do in, in these groups is to take you and say, you know, as I'm looking at everybody's photos this month, we got to learn a couple new skills in, in Photoshop that are just kind of things that I see a lot of people working on. And we're going to dive into those and have a challenge this month and really learn that skill this month. And next month, we're going to learn a new skill and work toward it. Uh, I'm excited about it. I hope you guys will take advantage of it. Um, and, and see, see what you're made of, see what you see, what you can become. Jim, well, quick question for yeah. you. Uh, you just, I heard you mention, you know, this month we're going to focus on that. And then that month, I know you're still working on some of the details, but can you explain any more what you're thinking as far as like, is it going to be a, a monthly thing and like weekly, will you be doing something or have you figured that out yet? Yeah. So, um, People will pay one monthly fee, either a, a lower fee to just get all the resources that Improved Photography makes all in one uh, in one group um, that you can subscribe to and get all the content downloadable. Or you can do the the mentoring, which is the higher level that you'll be working with me. I mean, you can call my cell phone. Uh, you can you know you can email. We can work together. We're going to be giving each other critiques in, in the group and really working on new things. I've been considering how I want to exactly do it. If, you know, we're going to have this month is, is Photoshop month and next month is this, but I think I'm going to turn away from that a little bit and really just create resources as I'm seeing needs. I want to make it instead of being just so rigidly structured, I want to do things that are actually helping people uh, to learn. So, uh, you know, if, if I see a bunch of landscapes that are posted in, in the group that, you know, are good, but just need some digital styling. You know, maybe we'll have a, a month that we're going to work on the Orton effect and I'm going to make all kinds of video tutorials, uh, maybe produce a, a webinar to help whatever the best way is to get that information to the group and give, pra give practice files so that you can learn that skill that month and then, uh, or, or however long it takes. And then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, I, I want it to be a small group. It's going to be a little bit expensive to, to do it because I need to be able to commit all my time to, uh, to a small group, uh, to make this reasonable, but, uh, I can promise that I'm going to give my very best to myself. Uh, I I'm, I'm anxious to, to see what we can accomplish a little bit nervous about it, but, uh, I, I, I think it shows a lot of promise. All right. We, in every episode, we share a doodad of the week, a product or a resource that we want to recommend. Brian, what do you have for us this week? I don't know if you've seen uh, on the website is the kind of the NFL video with uh, Nick and myself. And on it, I basically just attached my GoPro to the top of my camera to kind of get like that first shooter experience type thing. Um, and so mine is just some type of GoPro hot shoe mount. And, you know, 
I guess you could use it for for weddings or family portraits and kind of mix it in with things. For me, it was, it's kind of fun to use for some NFL games or I have the opportunity to do a handful of events, uh, music concert type things where I get to be on stage and just kind of get some fun, unique angles. So uh, there's a there was one I saw, I think it's 4A or 4A. It's just a tripod camera adapter that goes on top of the hot shoe. Um, and then your GoPro mounts on that. And it's just kind of fun, you know, it just gives allows you to kind of record an experience that you had. Yeah, that's very cool. That video is awesome, by the way. Uh, photographing the NFL is on our an, on our YouTube channel. Uh, that's you and Nick were out uh, shooting an NFL game from the sidelines and just shows like, it's like a first person shooter of photography. Uh, it's really a cool video that you guys put together. So be sure to check that out uh, on Improved Photography TV right on our website or on the, the YouTube channel. Very cool resource. Connor, how so, about you? So for mine, I was going to suggest that everybody get a Sekonic light meter, but apparently light meters are just the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it will break your cell phone. <laughs> so instead, I'm going to say, go out and invest $20 and get yourself a nice five in one in five in one reflector. Those things are just amazing shooting outdoors. You don't have to carry a bunch of stuff around. It's just a nice little pop-up reflector and it can really add a new dimension to your light, especially when you're shooting with people. Very cool. And I have a, um, a bracket that I'm, that I'm recommending this week for, uh, your umbrella. Now, every once in a while, I think I'm going to get cute and try a new little flash bracket, uh, a new something that I, that I find on Amazon, an interesting bracket, but, uh, I always regret it. Every time I try something new, uh, a flash bracket really needs to be strong and needs to be able to adjust easily. And so the one that I like is the OM18 flash hot shoe umbrella holder adapter mount kit with swivel tilt bracket three section U shape for Nikon, Canon, or anything else uh, made by Finex. I have links to it in the doodads of the week. This one is all made out of metal. You can you can adjust it any which way you imagine. Uh, this has been the flat the best flash bracket that i've found every time i think i'm going to try a new one that's a little bit less expensive or something i end up paying twice for it and so that's uh, my recommendation for this week thanks everybody for joining us i know it was a little bit of a different episode of improved photography kind of showing a little bit behind the behind the curtain here and some of the things that we're that we're excited for some changes please give some real thought uh to how you can uh, support improved photography and some of the things we're trying to do to help uh, all of you to to move forward in your photography at uh, the the new mentoring program and the improved photography plus subscription where you can get all of the content that we've ever made uh, for one price and it's downloadable and you can cancel anytime. I don't want to put anybody in a financial lurch. In fact, this is a major price reduction in uh, in what we normally do. Uh, that is going to be released on April 10th. So I hope you'll take a look at that. Thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast and we'll see you in another seven days.